there are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations to do the same for their employees. I bring on guests who have a particular perspective or experience that I think expands the conversation about meaningful and productive work. And I usually draw on the meaning work research I've been doing over the last 15 years as well as from my own experience consulting, including the work that I do today at Insidium, which is a global management consulting firm. I'll get to the program in just a moment. First, a big thank you to my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. They are the leading locally focused job board in the nation, and they are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard while giving job seekers control over their search. Great partnership. Thank you, Jobbing.com. Last week, if you missed the show live, you can always catch it on podcast. We were on the air with Tahar Ali, who is a respected international keynote speaker working around the globe. He is the author of Fail Your Way to Success, which is an incredible story of what it takes to achieve your goals and dreams in life. He is also the CEO to a billion-dollar real estate investment business with over 1,600 sales staff. So the guy kind of walks his talk. (laughs) We talked about the very fascinating and challenging early life that he had that helped make him who he is today, including overcoming a past of crime and involvement with gangs, what he's learned from those experiences of failing and developing resilience. It was a really interesting conversation. And he he has a fantastic Irish accent if that doesn't get you over the top. (laughs) By the way, if you want to receive alerts in advance of my live radio show conversations to know what's coming, you can join my mailing list by visiting my website at elisecortez.com. Navigating it to the blog tab, and then under my photo, entering your name and email address. All right, so with us this week is Luchin Fogoros, who is the co-founder and managing director of IIoT World, which is a digital media outlet that covers the economic and technological implications of the transformation taking place as IIoT proliferates throughout the enterprise. IIoT World combines journalistic coverage with data analysis to expose the stories, players, trends, and innovations that shape the IIoT. IIoT World has recently been ranked by KCore Analytics as the number one influencer on several topics such as industrial, Internet of Things, smart manufacturing, uh, I don't know if it's SCADA or SCADA, we'll find out, and, and is actually ahead of companies like IBM and GE. It's a fantastic thing to, 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 to have uh, an acclaim to. And today, Luchin joins us today from Cleveland, Ohio. Welcome to Working on Purpose. Thank you, Liz, and good evening, good morning, good day to everyone, wherever you're joining us from. Thank you for joining. Isn't that wonderful? And um, I appreciate you saying that because I, I, I really enjoy that this particular show is listened to across the globe, um, including China, Japan. There's a lot of folks there in India, Malaysia, all different kind of places. And I really appreciate that we get to have a truly a conversation that really matters to everyone, and it's going to happen across the globe. So thanks for saying that. Thank you, always for having and, us. And also, let's also acknowledge that how we found each other was via Twitter. Uh, it's been a fantastic means, a mechanism for me to meet people I wouldn't otherwise have any business meeting and learning from, and now to be inspired by to have you on the show. So thank you, Twitter, for putting us together. Yeah, it's so, been a, a great value for us as well, uh, leveraging Twitter to, to reach out. 
I, I, it's just, it's wonderful. I sometimes, I actually had a thought the other day of what would happen if like Twitter or LinkedIn went away? <laughs> what would happen? Uh, um, all right, well, let's get started into the topic here. I want I want to start with the, really the basics here, Luchan. There, there are going to be people that are listening to the show that are like, I'm, I'm going to listen because I keep hearing about the Internet of Things. And I don't even know what the heck we're talking about. So I want to just start with the notion here from people that there's probably a variety of folks that are listening, people that are have got this and they're well beyond, they want the next thing. But what do we mean by the Internet of Things? Well, thank you for that question, and I'm humbled uh, to, to have the opportunity to talk about this. I'm very passionate. Uh, so the Internet of Things consists of smart, connected objects in homes where business or surroundings that has ability to communicate over network without a human-to-human or human-to-computer involvement. So to give an example, basically the concept basically connects any devices with on and or off switch over the Internet, um, includes anywhere from cell phones, uh, to uh, refrigerator uh, lamps around our homes, garage doors, cameras, wearable devices such as um, um, basically uh, glasses, and almost anything that you can think of. Uh, uh, this also implies basically components on various machines, anywhere from machines that makes pasta an industrial company or a jet engine or an oil platform. So basically uh, th- th- there is... There is, uh, 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 as long as it has an on or off switch, uh, and then chances are that it is part of an IoT. And uh, analysts uh, basically are predicting, though, by 2020, various predictions depends on who you listen to, um, that there will be anywhere from 26 to over 100 billion connected devices in 2020. It's a lot of connections. So essentially, it's a giant of networks or connected things. Okay, that really, really helps me personally. So thank you, Luchan. Okay, now specifically, though, you are focused on the industrial Internet of Things. What's different about that? How do we distinguish that? So on the, what's the difference between IoT and IIoT, the industrial Internet of Things? So if you look at that, that's basically IIoT refers to a, a subcategory, a, a subset of the broader Internet of Things um, um, basically, uh, IoT includes things like uh, smart ovens that we mentioned, um, smart consumer products, yet industrial IoT, IIoT, smart industry, industry 4.0, whatever, uh, there's various terms that people refer to depending on what corner of the world you're referring to. It focuses specifically on industrial applications such as smart manufacturing, such as smart agriculture, smart cities types of, of applications. Okay, I, I appreciate that. I I um I guess I could have figured that out if I really thought about it, but I like so much better the way that you said it. <laughs> okay, now well this now we can talk about your organization, Luchan. Now that we've kind of covered those basics here, so IIoT World is your organization. It is a digital media outlet, and I know that it's it's fairly new. So I want to help our listeners understand um, why did you find, why did you co-found? You're one of two founders, I think it is. Um, and what is it that you're trying to do in the organization? Uh, there is correct. So, so first off, the um, IIoT world was was born out of a, pa- a passion of the two co-founder for and professional background combined. Um, uh, Carolina's background, my co-founder, 
is uh, basically um, digital journalism. She wrote her PhD thesis combining traditional media with digital media. And uh, my experience, basically, I'm industrial software developer, uh, background development engineer with progressive roles in product marketing, a global level product management. And um, our mission, basically, is to educate on what's real on industrial IoT. And we engage with subject matter experts from around the world to to bring those real applications, those case studies, so inspire other organizations to do the same. Same. Oh, okay. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. And I know that when you and I spoke on the phone the first time when we did our our introductory call, you were helping me understand a little bit about. I think you you said something about like the number of readers or followers that you have, something like that. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned about Twitter because um, we so both of the founders started with a few thousand followers on Twitter, but we also plugged in a new organization, uh, Twitter account, and uh, the account was plugged in. I think it was late January. The site went live in February, and it went to over fifteen point two thousand people in in just under ten months. Uh, first nine of the ten customers we can talk about that uh, came from Twitter. And the rest of them, basically, we also got engaged in, in, um, in various events. Uh, but but that's one medium. We, we leverage Twitter to reach our audience. We also leverage others. Uh, LinkedIn is another one that you've mentioned, what we do about without those. So essentially, we wouldn't have a business <laughs> pretty, pretty much without at least those couple of ones. But we also leverage Google Plus and, and other mediums to, to reach our audience. Well, let's let's make sure that our listeners can find you. Then, let's. What are your handles on those on those social media? So, what's your so, Twitter so, handle? So, our organization IoT World handle is IoT underscore World, and that's okay. uh, and then my personal one is at Fogoros at F O G O R O S. Okay, and then what about the other platforms? And then, on, uh, if you look at the LinkedIn, basically on my personal one. That went to some exponential growing, uh, uh, basically LinkedIn.com forward slash in forward slash for growth. And uh, we do the same for IoT World. Um, okay. And also okay, mo- both of the easiest way to find them is from our website. It has uh, pretty much all our social media. Our website is www.iot-world.com. Yep, and I'll say that again at the end of the show for those people that didn't write it down. <laughs> okay, well, the next thing I want to I want to talk about here is, and, and I can't help it because I have a, been a person who's been researching how people find meaning in their work and how it's related to who they are for years. And, of course, in the middle of all that is this little thing called motivation. What I know about what you're up to here is that it takes a, a lot to create an organization the way that you are, you and your co-founder are. So what keeps you motivated? Uh, there's a number of things that keeps. I'm, I'm, I'm always interested to in learning new things. Certainly, I'm, I'm always connected. Uh, whether, uh, of course, I try to stay away when, when I'm in front of my daughter from, from, from a phone. But for the most part, um, the phone is, is there uh, near me, and, and this application, where it's LinkedIn, Twitter, our site, email is, is always. What motivates me is, is learning new things. And of course, coupling with the pa- love traveling. So every now and then, there may be a little bit running low on the motivation. I do engage into a travel to 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 join a conference and so on. Hmm. 
I'm really glad to hear you say that because I think, and I always tell people that I'm coaching, it's just so important to plug into a social community to keep you inspired, connected, learning, supported, uh, have resources for. I, I, I'm really glad to hear you say that, Luchan. That's great. Really important. As you're commenting that, it just occurred to me that actually what also defines me that never looked at it that way, that I'm passionate about helping people, and I'm in the center of community here, uh, the, the parish that I attend, or, or what are the alumni organization. So I love helping people. That's also another thing that, that I think it's a motivation I get, uh, if you will, motivation from helping people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, and that, and even when you think about what you're doing, ha- providing a digital media outlet for people, uh, I mean, it, you, that is, it's it's absolutely a form of help, except that you're doing it to, well, not accept, and that you're doing it for the masses. Correct. Okay. Well, speaking of that, one of the other things I really wanted to get to here is, you know, I know that your whole organization exists to educate and help people understand what's behind the media hype around the industrial Internet of Things. And so you already said, when you think about there's billions of devices connected, there's trillion, I think you mentioned the dollar piece of it, but I think I've heard things like trillions of dollars, et cetera. So I want to hear more about that. What hype are you talking about, and how do you actually help? Correct. So I've had the opportunity uh, prior to launching IoT World to um, to travel around the world a couple of times on behalf of a large industrial company. And uh, depending on what media type or who, what people are talking, there's this hype of new value created, uh, depending on what you listen to, as much as $1.4 trillion dollars a new value created by this IoT world, uh, by IoT, <laughs> love to have IoT world, well, I mean the I- industrial internet of things. And um, it occurred that, that, that basically a lot of people at the sea level are some scared, some they know something big is coming, they don't know where to start. And uh, we basically uh, said, well, with, with, with the 20 years industrial software background, that's basically, if you look at the industrial internet of things, it's it's an evolution versus a revolution like the IOTs, and we can talk more about that. But the, the, the evolution, because over the four decades of investment in industrial automation of connecting things, it just so happens that now various factors play a role into accepting this. So um, having said that, uh, why now? What's really new around that? Uh, and if you ask people that are early adopters of the technology, uh, you, you'd find that, uh, that, that there is a no-brainer. They know how to calculate or, or illustrate the ROI. If, you're, if you get some of the skeptics, incumbents in some of the industrial uh, companies, and they ask the question skeptically, the way I respond is, is think about what you can do in your organization as the cost of hardware, as the cost of hardware, whether it's a sensor or whether it's a uh, computer. Uh, or the cost of data is approaching zero, or even more so we can talk about the business model change. Mm. One of the reasons that I was interested in having you on the show, Lucian, is kind of what you alluded to when you, when you mentioned you know, CEOs maybe being frightened a bit or scared a bit about this whole thing. And, and I, I wanted to presence this for people because people are afraid of technology. They're afraid of automation. Uh, you know, it's because they think that it's going to take away jobs and it, there's, all, there's all kinds of 
well, as you say, hype about that. So that was one of the big reasons I wanted to have you on is to help us help educate us as to what is this, what's the opportunity. So one of the other things I'd love to hear you talk about, and you already mentioned this notion of ROI, is just to kind of get us thinking about how this is being used and what's the benefit of, of IIoT. Where is like maybe a few places or one place that you're seeing the fastest return for like a manufacturing company investing in IIoT? Uh, that's actually a, a fantastic question, uh, and, and we have plenty of case studies, uh, studies on IoT World uh, uh, website that basically illustrate that. So I appreciate the qualification, the ROI for manufacturing, because what what the ROI for manufacturing may be different for a city, like let's say Port, for like Port of Cleveland or Port of Los Angeles, it may also be different than a water and waste water facility, or it may, may be actually different for an oil and gas company. So in terms of the manufacturing, what I've observed uh, and, and, and working in the field and over the last 20 years, but also more so recently as, as I've focused on just industrial you know, things, the, uh, one of the low-hanging fruits is really predictive uh, maintenance. Uh, certainly, if you look at the CD, there's others. CD might, might plug in small sensor as well as uh, um, basically uh, um, plug in the website for, for tracking the weather, whether you irrigate or not. Those are also things for others. There's the, the different ROI for various industries. But if you focus on manufacturing, the predictive maintenance of, of things could help uh, quite a bit. Because let's say, for instance, if you're uh, a automotive, it could cost as much as twenty-two thousand dollars per minute the downtime. So if you factor therein, it's it's fairly easy to say I'm going to try this solution uh, or this potential predictive maintenance opportunity because I could set this this amount. It, it's very easy to to convince to make a business case uh, like that. Thank you for, for helping us present that. And I do want to talk a bit more about that. Um, although here we are already, can you believe it? We're on our first break. It happens so fast. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Lucien Fogoros, who is the co-founder and managing director of IIOTWorld.com, which is a digital media outlet that covers the economic and technological implications of the transformation taking place as IOT proliferates throughout the enterprise. IIoT World combines journalistic coverage with data analysis to expose the stories, players, trends, and innovations that shape the IIoT. He joins us today from Cleveland, Ohio. We've been talking a bit about his background and actually what is what is the Internet of Things, and a little bit now about how about the hype that surrounds it, and of course the ROI that can be had. After the break, we're going to get a little bit more deep into the conversation and think about how it can be applied within organizations and business. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. 
Are you tired of strained relationships that don't work? We all have at least one, a family member, friend, or coworker we struggle to understand and deal with. Now you can improve those relationships fast with simple tools and skills. Tune into Relationship Radio with Nicole Cunningham and Kim Giles. You'll learn how to have a better marriage, improve communication with your kids, and reduce stress at work. Listen live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Lucian Fogoros, who is the co-founder and managing director of IIOTWorld.com, which is a digital media outlet that covers the economic and technological implications of the transformation taking place as IIOT proliferates throughout the enterprise. IIOT World combines journalistic coverage with data analysis to expose the stories, players, trends, and innovations that shape the IIOT. IOT World has recently been ranked by KCore Analytics as the number one influencer on several topics, such as the industrial Internet of Things, smart manufacturing, SCADA or SCADA, and is actually ahead of such companies like IBM and GE. Really impressive. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So before the break, we were talking just a bit about just presencing what is this thing, the Internet of Things, and what is the industrial Internet of Things. And talking a bit about ROI, et cetera, when people, when organizations do invest in this, here next in this in this conversation, this segment, if we can, Luciana, I want to start thinking about really applying applying it a little bit more deeply for folks, taking it out of that const- that that um, abstract place and putting it more into the concrete. So, be, you and I were talking on the phone, and of course, I've read this um, that we've talked that the Internet of Things will disrupt any industry, and you said earlier you started to talk about this. Um, and, it, and it comes not only from the cost of hardware or software data approaching zero, but also the business model. Can you expand on this, both, all of those things for us? Uh, correct. So, so the opportunity uh, in, in my mind, and again, this is the way that we've kind of left it, is asking yourself, what can you do in your organization as, as the cost of hardware, sending the data approaching zero, but even more important, what can you do in your organization as the uh, business model changes from a large capital expenditure for uh, for uh, for industrial company to a monthly credit card expenditure? And uh, there's the um, saying: nobody got fired from using uh, General Electric or using Honeywell or Rockwell, whatever large industrial or Schneider Electric for the reason. Uh, yet, trying uh, now this this type of a model of a credit card. 
could actually provide a great opportunity for, for some of the smaller players. And it does. We, we've seen data and, and case studies that it, it does show opportunity for a smaller player that eats the lunch of a, of a, lunch, uh, of a large player on that. Uh, so if you look at from the uh, um, opportunity in, in an organization, uh, whether it's a manufacturing, we've, we've shown some example. we've talked about some examples, but also in... CD uh, or or a uh, oil and gas facility, uh, it, it 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 provides the um, the massive amount of data that can be collected as, as as we are able to collect the data, and more important, making sense of that data. It's basically uh, creating drastic reduction in cost. Uh, so whether it's in manufacturing or it's a city that we're able to reduce the cost uh, and, or doing things with fewer resources because they are connected. Um, uh, there is, for instance, a, a elevator company, and there's plenty of case studies on that, that's uh, leveraging Google Glass to offer remote technical assistance. Uh, the same thing, leveraging Google Glasses to to offer instructions on how to fix so you're equipping the technician to, to resolve problems uh, uh, better and faster. Uh, so if you look at the, for instance, other industry, uh, let's say healthcare, uh, what, 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 how would your, your experience be uh, once a year or however, many, uh, often, however often you go to your routine to your family doctor if you have a way to get all of your essentials uh, logged on a daily basis, and they can just review it. They can see a trend. I happen to be an engineer by background, and when I've taken my mother to the cardiologist and I've showed him four months' worth of data on the um, uh, the things that I was recording with an Omron, uh, basically just taking the, 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 the blood pressure, she immediately spots, spotted that she has hypertension, so she was able to diagnose that. What if you can pull that data out of the uh, phone? Uh, there's a low-hanging fruits. Transportation, um, you know, wouldn't it be nice if as you're, you're already entering the, the data to a, a Google map or whatever your map you're using for directions to also tell you that, hey, you might want to park close to Terminal B because there's 30 minutes less waiting time. There's a less of a queue in line there. Mm. Um, Grocery shopping could be as you have your grocery on your electronic list. Let's say it does a quick evaluation and say instead of going to Costco or whatever grocery shop store A, you may want to choose to go to this based on this particular list. It may provide you uh, uh, a different suggestion for that. So again, if you look, we can go on and on about this type of industry uh, industries, but the connected. The fact that we are connected uh, to uh, leveraging other data available yeah, basically can make a better, more informed uh, decision, whether as a consumer or whether a business owner or industrial company. Mm. I really appreciate how you how you describe that, Luchan. I, I really got a lot more present to you know, how this works and and why and why people would actually invest in it. Um, and, and speaking of that, one of the things that you said to me on, on the phone, and I think I read it on, on your site somewhere in one of, your, in one of the stories, is um, you have already mentioned something about the cost piece of this here, but why does it no longer take such a large investment to achieve automation? Um, 
I have to go back a number of years when I started my career. There was industrial computers, for instance, that would cost as much as $20,000. Today, you can leverage a controller that, that does 35000 and basically does almost the same thing. Uh, we can get a tablet because of the, in the industrial setting, you need to be concerned with vibration, you need to be concerned with the oil, you need to be concerned with the water, you can wash that thing down, a particular computer. That same computer at that time cost $20,000, you can also leverage a tablet that has a touch screen and it has, in addition to all the things that 20 years ago you're doing, now you're actually doing with a $1,000 tablet in an enclosure box that has water resistance and, by the way, could have four sensors that could send temperature, you could send humidity from from the particular tablet and store it somewhere. So let's say, for instance, if if uh, some uh, union comes after a particular uh, facility because they didn't maintain the temperature, there's too much humidity and so on, they could actually prove that, hey, on a daily basis, the temperature was within this temperature and that temperature and so on. So, so there's very opportunities. So why does it cost less today? Uh, many factors, uh, certainly uh, talked about hardware and data uh, being sent, it's, 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 it's different, but also because the business model. I think this is an area that uh, some of the incumbent large players are, are, are at least trying now to get on the bandwagon is because it changed from making large investments that it would, would take uh, basically a capital expenditure, many approvals, to now giving the power to someone to do, use a credit card, you try a solution. There are vendors that even give software, hardware solution, basically in exchange of having a monthly uh, approach. And by the way, it can be canceled over X amount if, if it doesn't fit the solution. So uh, where in the past it used to be available to a few that had large money to invest, now even, a, may, let's say, a bakery that may have a three or four um, uh, locations, uh, you could leverage the technology that could be uh, scheduled out over on a monthly payment to do that. Let me make sure I'm, I'm, I'm understanding and make, make sure that this lands really well and crisply for our listeners as well, um, who may have less exposure to this than, than, than you do or certainly than I do. So sure. in terms of the, the, the lower investment, so part I think what you're also describing and, and, and presencing for us is that instead of having to use a piece of hardware that we own or a piece of software that we own, we have access to this kind of um, technology through software as a service or through the cloud. Is that what you're saying? There is another factor that has happened, correct, in addition to the fact that, you know, over the last few years, the, the technology improved in performance, yet the cost was less and less. We can do more things on a smaller devices, and hence, that got its way into the uh, industrial setting as well. Okay, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Okay, well, now I think it, it, I can even, I feel even better about asking you this question. I, this is something that I had planned to ask you, but because it's part of your tagline. Uh, but you, you, you mention and talk on your site and in some of the things that you say, but that your goal of your organization is to accelerate the rate of adoption of the industrial Internet of Things. And I'm starting to get clearer as to why you would do that. But um, say a bit more about that. And I do also want to talk a bit more. You mentioned in the last segment about the low-hanging fruits in the area of predictive maintenance. So, First, why is your organization set on accelerating the adoption of IIoT? Um, we, we felt that uh, with, with both a passion to educate, uh, I, in addition to have been working in the industrial automation, it's evolved now into industrial things, 
I've had the opportunity to teach at Cleveland State University uh, in addition to being or, or volunteering for opportunity to teach in corporate how to use software. And uh, so basically I'm passionate about helping others. Now, in terms of the rate of adoption, how are, is our organization doing that? And, and, and the, the, we, we've, we've done a, couple, a few things that are different than a trade magazine. And one of them, instead of basically hiring, let's say, journalists to write stories, interview the people, we're inviting the uh, visionaries, the, the top-level, C-level uh, folks around the world to come and, 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 and share their vision about the industry and other things, not to sell their company, not to sell their story of their company, but really to say, what do you see as opportunities for this? And whether that's a vendor for industrial software or hardware or cybersecurity, industrial cybersecurity, or that's basically an end user that uh, would like to get more spotlight on your organization, like the CIO of an organization that managed to uh, be an early adopter, uh, we invite them to share their story and, and share their case study on our website. And that we've created a platform for all these players uh, like I said, over 100, I think last time I checked, and we're just about to do another stats on that, but over 162 partnerships and contributors from around the world to share their story and how to do that. So, again, just changing the model. Uh, I think uh, Peter Diamandis refers to this, I learned later on, about three months or four months after I uh, started uh, uh, the website re- refers to democ- democratizing <laughs> the journalism or the, the the site by basically saying you don't have to pay for for uh, um, somebody to write the story. You invite those people to to do that. So, thank you for that. That helps so much, and I really appreciate the way that you shared that. Um, yeah, and and I also what I also appreciate is that. Just the way that you said that last piece, inviting people to share their stories. And yet, look at this beautiful platform that you have created to do just that. I just really appreciate what you're doing. And and again, a big reason I wanted to have you on the show, Luchan, is because I think people are very, very frightened of what they don't understand. They don't understand the Internet of Things. They don't understand artificial intelligence, right? That's one of the things that I've been very intrigued with. And so... I'd like to see if you could maybe talk to us a bit about that particular topic, um, especially if, if, if it's something I've actually heard talk about innovative artificial intelligence. So I'd like it if you could share a little bit about what's going to be maybe one of some of the bigger challenges or challenge with introducing innovative artificial intelligence and actually getting people to buy it, be not be afraid of it, to be confident of it. Sure. So, so of course, there is, there is a couple of areas that uh, is – uh, fear of technology, and then the second part of it we talk is, is gaining public's confidence, and um, and I think that we're we're at the point that both technology as well as public is getting acceptance and and market uh, acceptance. A um, couple of weeks ago, we've we've given a personal example: purchased a. Uh, uh, a super acrostic, I believe, and uh, as I was taking the baby daughter to 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 the kindergarten or to the daycare, uh, I noticed my my wheel was actually trying to keep me in line as as she was trying to ask for something and so on. And um, it essentially, has a safety feature that keeps you in line. So it's already in, in some of our newest cards. Supports we had the, that 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 uh, spot um, sensors and so on. But if you think of of companies such as Tesla, for instance, that basically 
building the new car with the technology, with the software that allows you to have the, uh, to, to leverage Uber as an autonomous car, providing that we get acceptance with the legal and so on. But think about it, just having a, a that technology in the car to do that. I, as I was driving back from, from dropping out my daughter, I, I, I tried testing this thing. Of course, there was nobody on the highway at the time. It was around 10 <laughs> o'clock for very few people. But, but just seeing if, if indeed it keeps me in line and so on. So those are the things that uh, are, are at least some of the nearby. I've asked um, an expert uh, while at the Automate show in Chicago, uh, very large. Uh, they had the best attendance. Um, um, earlier this year in Chicago, ever, and uh, they've honored a couple of folks that basically are uh, the top in the field of artificial intelligence. One of them was Dr. Russo, uh, Daniela Russo from MIT. She heads up the um, the, the uh, artificial intelligence uh, group there, and I've asked her how soon do you see this a reality to have autonomous vehicles or are we ready? What's the infrastructure needed? And her response was, we're ready today, uh, providing that we are in smaller uh, cities, uh, with smaller campuses with 25 miles per hour or less with the infrastructure that we have today. So uh, I think it's just a matter of time that we're doing. There's other work that, uh, for instance, Dr. Uh, Rodney Brooks from Rethink Robotics, he's also the former chairman of the MIT's uh, group. He's been working for over the last uh, uh, seven or eight years to bring robots um, and collaborate robots at the price point under $10,000. Changing the way we, we think with you know we work and so on. Um, at the same show in Chicago, for instance, there was a there was a robot that was walking around the uh, around the people, avoiding people collision and so on. And by the way, had a, uh, a connected to the IBM Watson. Uh, essentially, now think about what that could do to, a, let's say, a, a large YouTube concert or a stadium uh, full of people or a museum that you'd have, a, a, if you will, a robot that would answer back and respond and think you'd ask the question and so on, but also guide you to the proper seat. Oh, that's wonderful. And I want to say a little bit more about that when we come back. I gotta, we'll take a break here in just a second. But part of the reason that I'm so fascinated with the idea of the Internet of Things, the Industrial Internet of Things, artificial intelligence, is because I am very interested in seeing and helping people see how that can actually help them change the way they work in a better way. If, if, if we can use... Um, innovation and technology and artificial intelligence to, to remove some of those kinds of tasks that are maybe not as fulfilling for us and we get to do something higher level and more creative, I think that would be really interesting. So it's one of the many reasons I wanted to have you on the show um, and we'll talk more about that after the break. It's already time. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Lucian Fogoros, who is the co-founder and managing director of the of the IIOTworld.com, which is a digital media outlet that covers the economic and technological implications of the transformation taking place as IOT proliferates throughout the enterprise. IIOT World com- combines journalistic coverage with data analysis to expose the stories, players, trends, and innovations that shape the IIOT. He joins us today from Cleveland, Ohio. After the break, we'll, we'll talk more about some of the, the uh, opportunities and questions surrounding IIOT. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. 
Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. Making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise. A-L-I-S-E at EliseCortez.com Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Lucian Fogoros, who is the co-founder and managing director of IOOTWorld.com, which is a digital media outlet that covers the economic and technological implications of the transformation taking place as IOT proliferates throughout the enterprise. IIoT World combines journalistic coverage with data analysis to expose the stories, players, trends, and innovations that shape the IIoT. IIoT World has recently been ranked by K-Core Analytics as the number one influencer on several topics such as the Industrial Internet of Things, Smart Manufacturing, and SCADA, and is ahead of such companies like IBM and GE. Very impressive. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So before the break, Luchan, we're just starting to talk a little bit about how some of this uh, artificial intelligence starts to change the way that we work. And of course, people get scared of that because it's one, it's the big C word change. um, And we get worried about that. And it means it's we don't know what's coming. And so one of the other reasons that I'm very interested in this particular topic of 
the Internet of Things, Industrial Internet of Things, and, and artificial intelligences, I'm very interested about how the workplace is going to be able to change to be able to adapt to um, this kind of evolution, as you said earlier, and what it means for how people get to engage in their work in hopefully a more meaningful way. Um, and I, was, I mentioned to you on the break that I was reading a Wall Street Journal article about um, an organization that is it's an energy firm. And in their treasury department, they're actually employing a robot named Roberta. She's called Roberta. And her job is to search for missing payment information and send out reminders. Who would want to do that kind of work? I mean, forgive me if somebody out there in the listening audience does that work and you love it. That's fantastic. Um, then you just go to a firm who doesn't have Roberta working for them, right? But <laughs> I, I appreciate the, what we're what we're presencing for our listeners about the possibility of what what we can what we can do with the Internet of Things and the Industrial Internet of Things and artificial intelligence when we actually embrace it. Yeah, just a comment on that, uh, Alisa. Uh, Alisa, uh, as as we started this company, we came across we a a, a, a similar robot, if you will, that essentially not only sends the invoices, but also reminds them that, hey, this invoice hasn't been paid, you're X amount of days late. Uh, and by the way, it manages the payments electronically and so on. That could change the way uh, some of the banks is doing. Wire transfer, for instance, costs a lot of money. Sometimes it's poor visibility into where they come from until you get the paper statement and so on. Well, going back just quickly on this, I um, since I've been researching how people experience meaning in their work for over 15 years, and that actually, that research effort is now, the next step is writing the book about those results. What I generally find is that, is that the higher level order of things that people experience in their work, when they get into um, you know the the people connection. They get into the use of their minds. They get into into purpose and values. Those things tend to connote higher level meaning and higher level engagement. So if we can remove some of the, you know the 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 rote interaction that doesn't require thinking too much, um, I I think for the most part people are really going to win because they're going to have higher level order skills being tapped to do their work. Um, anyway, so that's just that's I'm I'm. I'm pondering on that topic because to me that's how it's related to my research. Um, all right, so the, the next thing I wanted to ask you related related to what you said already before, there was a, a comment about what you mentioned all the different devices. Now that in the beginning of the show, Luchan, you were you're talking about how you know the Internet of Things connects devices, and what we also know is that there are a rapid number of or the pace at which these things are being introduced into the marketplace is is incredible. So one of the first things that, that probably we have to ask is how are companies addressing the security considerations in this big, mad rush to get their products to market? Uh, well, thank you for that. That's a, that's a great question, and it, it, there's a lot to talk about it, but it, it's also aligned with the way we started to get traction into this. Uh, and I'm going to focus on the industrial cybersecurity uh, portion of it, not, not the consumer portion. There's a lot to be talked about the consumer, but... In the industrial settings, when things were, you know, let's say, when the first PLC was introduced in the late 60s and the 70s, and, and, and most of the automation was isolated islands. And depending on the level of automation, companies introduced, uh, connected anywhere from the machine to have offer remote visibility into the machine to offer interface with the uh, electronic source planning and so on. There is... There, obviously, it, 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 there opened the door for, for, for vulnerabilities. 
And uh, I divide this era of industrial cybersecurity into two. I call it the BS era, the before Stuxnet, before Stuxnet, before the uh, uh, 2010 virus and in, in, the Iranian um, uh, centrifuge. Uh, nobody took seriously about industrial security. Yeah, there we were safe because it's a separate network. There were three companies that immediately got acquired by large players. So now, just in, in January, as we launched this, as we're looking to launch, we did a research on who is who, who addresses the industrial cybersecurity. And cyber, uh, CBI Insights, you're offering about 700 different companies that are uh, focusing to, to address this problem of cybersecurity. And maybe about a dozen to 16 of them, they're focusing primarily on critical infrastructure, on manufacturing, on industrial settings to fix this problem, and, and there's machine learning, meaning you plug in something um, uh, into the uh, uh, network, and it learns over the course of a period of time about what's normal, and then basically provides uh, abnormalities to a uh, specialized worker to address uh, intrusions and so on. Uh, now, if you stop there for a little bit, we could continue on the industrial thing, but let's take it to somewhere that uh, the consumer, the Walmart, for instance. Uh, imagine uh, standing in line and, and maybe around the holidays there's 15, 20 people and you already got X amount of people uh, in front of you. As you're going to check out, based on a transaction it takes to, to, to walk out and, and check out, yeah, you may estimate it takes 12 minutes and so on, but if the folks that are in charge of that, they could allocate more people. Uh, for instance, the solution around that could be, let's say, uh, offering a uh, 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 one solution, but there are a network monitor, like StatSeeker, for instance. They offer plug-in a network a monitor that would basically monitor over a million interfaces in every 60 seconds. Uh, so essentially... Um, it discovers, so the potential client can basically understand what's on their network and how their network uh, performs in, in near real time. They can make better decisions to allocate resources and so on. Mm, mm. No, I incredibly appreciate that. And, and, and I also think that when we start talking about things that our everyday lives can touch, like standing in line at a grocery line, it, it's even easier for people to start to gain access to this. So thank you for that real-world simple example for us. Um, I want to take the conversation next, if we can, Luchan. Now we've been talking a little bit about you know how, how companies can use this stuff. I want to also get to how it can be leveraged within organizations, but I want to start, start with culture. And culture is interesting to me because as a management consultant, we know so much that culture is, is, is the driving factor for how people are connected in an organization, what, how things get done, and actually the results. Um, and you had said something, I think, in, in our first conversation um, that your organization works to help build culture, a, a culture of innovation. So embracing that. And I think you mentioned that some progressive large companies recognize the need to inject this idea, I think, of innovation from small companies into large. Can you say more about how innovation can be transferred between organizations? Uh, sure, absolutely. So so uh, I have to quote uh, Salil Ismail of, 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 of Singularity University uh, that, that says something along the lines uh, that if, if you're in a large organization, you're trying to innovate from within, you, the immune system will eat you alive. Well, it may not be true <laughs> for all of them. Uh, larger organizations uh, tend to be more bureaucratic, uh, slow response to, to a particular uh, uh, market uh, need, and, and so on. So 
small, let's just take, for instance, our organization being a media outlet. Um, if, if look, we're, we're basically, we're providing great content for our audience comes back, whether that's shared via Twitter, LinkedIn, Google+, whatever medium may be, uh, or, or email. Um, essentially, for a smaller company, they tend to provide better content because they are smaller. They don't have as many layers of of reviews, if you will, whereas larger companies, for whatever reason, they need to make sure they don't cannibalize the market. They need to address they got six competing or 36 competing products almost in some cases because of acquisition and inheritance of, of various uh, type of products. They have to be concerned so they don't cannibalize the existing business, whereas smaller starts with a clean uh, sheet. So one of the things earlier on, we recognized that, and uh, uh, we said, how do we address that we can bring both startups in large organizations at a table that offer the same seat at a table. Large companies may have a deeper pocket. Smaller companies have great uh, content. So that is uh, why we've actually created a program for startups that are under three million, uh, under a million dollars in sales and under three years of existence to basically uh, help them uh, basically get accept and get exposure to our uh, growing 40 plus thousand people audience. Mm. Such a great point, right? You're you're in doing work around this this space. I, I could say a lot about what you just mentioned about large companies innovating, and it it takes a lot to be able to do that. Um, we're getting so close to running out of time, so I want to make sure that I I get in one more question before we we close, and it has to do with really age groups within organizations. And I know that when we spoke on the phone, you said something about that, that you know current industrial organizations tend to have an age group that comprises more older workers than younger ones. And that there can be a real problem or opportunity, if you consider it, um, if older decision makers are managing our younger ones. Can you tell us more about why this phenomenon can be a problem for companies? Uh, it's, it's well recognized. There's manufacturing instances, for instance, that, that's basically showing there is a, 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 a over the next decade, 3.5 manufacturing jobs will likely uh, need to be filled. So there's a skills gap, there's age gap, people retiring. And, and, and I want to go back to a little bit of, about the decision makers in charge of large organizations today. Uh, and uh, they're used to the way of doing business, whether it's in uh, marketing, whether it's in the way they approach the next, uh, the next platform for, for, for addressing a problem, um, is, is, is by network. They know someone, so they are addressing uh, that. Whereas the millennial, and I, I would, I would don't want to put a particular age bracket on that, but let, let me just say to the millennials, they tend to look and say, okay, what, do I, what, what was other people's experience with this platform? Were you choosing a platform for your manufacturing uh, or for, for CD and so on? What was their other CDs? What was other industrial companies' experience with this platform? And there's plenty of, of data that's why the connected industry helps because you have real-time data on comments about that. About 30 uh, so seconds think, left, Lucian. Go ahead. Go ahead. 30 seconds left. We have to, we'll have to close here in about 30 seconds. Go ahead. Gotcha. So, so there was a, my, my main comment is that is, is now companies, organizations that recognize that need to empower these uh, millennials to make decisions, maybe give them more autonomy uh, on, on making those decisions. Some companies even looked at, at basically uh, creating a whole new group on, uh, and, and independent or even a different building than the existing ones to continue to make decisions uh, and, and, and almost like a company, not a company. Mm-hmm. Excellent. 
All right. Well, I just want to let you leave our listeners with our with your just final thoughts. So maybe in about fifteen seconds, how would you? What would you like to leave our listeners with today? I would say follow your passion relentlessly. Uh, focus on your strength uh, to you know compensate the weaknesses. I would have never imagined when I was graduating with a computer engineering degree too that I would be writing. Writing was not one of my strengths. But learn over the period there are things that energizes uh, me around it. And writing uh, to the point, small is is uh, um, it, it's I, I I get quite a lot of joy. So, and if you're a startup, look for synergy for partnerships to grow faster. Wonderful way to finish, Luchan. Thank you so much for joining me as a guest today. I've learned a lot from you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. If you want to learn more about Luchan Fogoros and the work he and his team are doing at IIoT World, visit him at iiot-world.com. Join us next week when we talk with Isaac Afton of TriggerGive. We'll be talking about how his exasperation with how opposing pleas to fund parties in our recent presidential election spurred him to start TriggerGive, which allows people to quickly donate money through various social media channels directly to their intended charity. I think the conversation will literally showcase how this founder put his money where his mouth is, and his platform is doing the same for the users who engage it. See you, see you then. Remember that work is one third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. Work.